0: Pastors and church planners around the world need your help to receive a confessional Reformed Baptist theological education. Introducing the William Carey Scholarship Fund at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. You can help students like Sam in India afford seminary training and Bible software with thousands of critically needed theological books. To learn how you can help, visit cbtseminary.org/carey. You are listening to the Weekly Discourse on the Man of God
1: Network, featuring a weekly lecture from the classroom of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Paul, it's wonderful to have you with us today. I appreciate you talking with us and answering some questions about missions. But before I do that, let's see. Uh, Paul, you're married and have how many children?
0: I have four children. Ian, who's 19. He's studying at Masters. Uh-huh. Uh, Evan uh, just graduated two days ago from home school. Okay. I have a 13-year-old daughter, Rowan. And then, surprise, surprise, I have a five-year-old daughter named Bronwyn, and I turn 60 here in a few months. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, that'll, that'll be an interesting experience as a father, <laughs> won't it? Uh, yeah, well, my wife and I were 34 and 36, and When the last one came along, and always in the middle of the night, and we looked at each other and said, "We're getting too old for this." So, yeah. Yeah. Oh my. Uh, So no grandchildren yet, of course. No, no grandchildren. Uh, Okay.
0: Well, everyone thinks my five-year-old is my grandchild. They say you have a beautiful (laughs) granddaughter, and I say, "Well, she is grand, and she is my daughter."
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's great. Well. That probably changes their view of Paul Washer a little yeah. bit, and that's probably a good thing. Yeah, right? it is. So, well, let me let me get into something more important here, uh, and this is a question I, I already uh, have been wanting to ask you. I'd be interested in your answer to it. Tell us about heart cry and how did it begin?
0: Well, it began when I was in Peru and I was serving there as a missionary. Now, when it comes to cross-cultural missionaries, missionaries from North America. Um, I was surrounded by North American missionaries that were worth their weight in gold, mm-hmm. good missionaries. And, and and there are a lot of great cult, cross-cultural missionaries. But I also saw the Peruvian church mm-hmm. that had not, I hate to say it this way, but not boys for hire,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: true elder qualified men who loved the Lord, who yeah. were suffering in great poverty and their ministries sometimes mm-hmm. were hindered, especially with regard to, teaching and literature and so many things and so began stepping out on faith um, and supplying that need Mm -hmm. now so heart cry kind of started that way Mm -hmm. but heart cry also evolved with my own personal theology evolving Mm -hmm. um, in that coming to study scripture that um, missions is not primarily the work of the local church it's exclusively the work of the local church mm-hmm. and then realizing you know that there's no way we support for example about 250 missionaries around the world mm-hmm. but there's no way that that we could select a missionary candidate
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: 5,000 miles away. Oh, sure. So so what HeartCry does a lot of people don't, don't really understand is we can only work in a country where mm-hmm. there is a strong, reformed Baptist church mm-hmm. whose elders are either nationally or internationally known. A Conrad and Bayway, for example, mm-hmm. they have their churches, their elder-qualified men. They raise up, according to Second Timothy two, two, elder-qualified men. They practice church discipline. We help churches put their men on the field.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then they select the elders, but but we know these elders. Right, they're almost like the Baptists used to use a terminology that I, I like, Mm -hmm. which is called sister church. Okay, like faith, Mm -hmm. like practice, and so we help churches, biblical churches,
1: send out men. Amen, amen. How long ago did that happen then? How when? Well, it's kind of evolved. You said over a few years.
0: uh, I left seminary. um, I graduated from seminary and went to Peru in '88. And um, it was within about two years that I mm. began to see this, mm. but also having to realize that working through the complexities biblically of yeah. how it should be done.
1: How many countries are, do you have been in then?
0: It, it, it changes with whatever's happening in the government in yeah, certain yeah, days, uh, uh, but usually between 42 and 44 countries right wonderful, now. Wonderful,
1: wonderful. So here's, here's a question. Uh, um, what is the Great Commission in your view? The
0: Great Commission is, of course, when we look at it in Matthew 28, first of all, recognizing that we must go out in Christ's authority. But to do that, we must go out under His authority. And that is impossible unless we're practicing sola scriptura or the regulative principle with regard to missions. Right. And when we truly look at what biblical missions and biblical missionary is, it is the making of disciples. It is through teaching because uh, the Great Commission is a theological endeavor. Right. So when these mission organizations dumb down their theological statements so yeah. that they can supposedly better carry out the Great Commission, that's, that's an absurdity. It's, right. a, it's a contradiction. But if you really want to come down to it, it is one biblical church. And when I mean that, I mean that strictly. One mm-hmm. biblical church with biblical elders raising up elder qualified men laying their hands on those men in fear and trembling and setting and then sending them out to start another biblical church amen to do the exact same thing that's missions yeah and the sad thing is is that describes a very small percentage yeah. of what's considered missions today
1: well that leads right into the next question that I have here what's the greatest obstacle the church currently faces in fulfilling the great commission
0: Um, it's actually the obstacles in fulfilling the Great Commission are just symptoms of a greater problem
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and we throw around the term biblical church just if someone gets up and reads the Bible it's a biblical church Um, the greatest obstacle to missions is unbiblical local churches Mm -hmm. that claim to be sending churches Mm -hmm. We have to, we we go back to a term called the regulative principle. Mm -hmm. It is Christ's church. It must be done Christ's way. Moses was not asked to help with the design of the tabernacle, but he was warned to do everything according to what God said on that mountain. How yeah. much more with the Bride of Christ. Amen. And so the greatest obstacle is we've got unbiblical churches carrying out missions unbiblically. Right? How many young people go to some conference, a missions conference, and they're sincere and this is not their fault mm-hmm. and they're told uh, leave school, go out as soon as you can, go out, join some organization. They have no knowledge Of what it means to be an elder qualified man they have no knowledge of what a biblical church is Mm -hmm. of all the things necessary they have no knowledge they Mm -hmm. just have a heart for souls but but I think first Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 apply it's Mm. like so many people would like to be brain surgeons right but if you aspire to being a brain surgeon then you have to qualify as one that's right and that's again elder qualification being sent
1: out to start a biblical church. Amen. Um, what you characterize the current state of world missions as, <laughs> this is an unfair question in some ways, I think, but as moving in a healthier or a more unhealthy direction? Um, or how would you respond to a yes, question like um, that?
0: I see, it's just like what, it's kind of like the, a, a larger thing of what we see here in the United States. COVID and the political unrest has shut down so many Unbiblical ministries right and unbiblical churches. They're just not meeting right and in a way we're seeing the churches that have uh, Continued on We're seeing them grow tremendously mm-hmm. all, all over the nation men right. who've said I'm going to preach We're going to have church. We're going to we're going to be sensible, mm-hmm. but we're going to do the right thing right and what we're seeing is in in many ways, that is going to have an impact on missions. But then around the world, and you know this as well as I do, places, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, multiple countries in Africa, Asia, that are returning to what we would consider a biblical historical Christian faith. Right. Because, the fact of the matter is, I'm, I'm a citizen of this country. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I'm loyal to this country to a degree, and I want the best for this country. Right. But I belong to Christ, and I belong to his kingdom. And even though the nations are being shaken, his kingdom is not being shaken. Right. He's doing great things all over mm-hmm. the world. What we need to be sure of is that those of us go out are, well, let me put it this way. Let's use terminology. Should our mission endeavors here in the United States be exported or quarantined? Should Mm. our theology be exported or quarantined? Should our piety be exported or Mm. quarantined? Because around the world, God is raising up Mm. many reformed men who are serious about following sola scriptura. Amen. Amen. And you know that. You you teach them.
1: I've seen it. It's wonderful what God is doing in South America. and. we we just we're running hard just to try to keep up with what God is doing in the Spanish world that, and do our part in it,
0: Sam. I, I know that to be a fact because I know some of these countries that you work in. Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing that that in in all this day of so much pragmatism, so much modernism, mm-hmm. so much trying to make the church almost like a desperately like a vanity fair in order to attract the world into it mm-hmm. that those simple men who have stayed with scripture alone mm-hmm. and tried to abide by the regulative principle mm-hmm. they're wore out mm-hmm. because there's so many international opportunities mm-hmm. to teach mm-hmm. churches are growing mm-hmm. it's it's amazing
1: amen amen yeah we're so so thankful for the place that the part that God has given us and and for the fact that we're able to get started again because uh, COVID has interrupted right. a lot of our endeavors for a year, but uh, Cartagena just started and uh, we're starting a, a new four-year cycle with Bogota. One of the things I have to do between teaching first in Bogota, then in Cartagena, is go to a graduation of 12 of our guys too uh, in Bogota. So that's going to be a wonderful Man. experience. Now you've
0: got to, re- now. Put this in historical context, 25 years ago, none of this was happening.
1: Oh, no, no, uh, the as far as the, our own ministries uh, and affiliates down there, Bogota is the longest running one. It's, we've been with them five years as their state sponsor school, but they've only been there 12 years and that's the oldest one we know of, Right. Know? so. Um, Well, you've kind of addressed this already, but is there anything else you would like to say about the question, what should be the role of the local church in missions?
0: Um, Wherever wherever the church is weak, it's always the same reasons. Either there are no biblical pastors and teachers Mm -hmm. or they're weak. What we've got to do is... I do missions this way, I look at what's in my hand. What has God's providence put in my hand? Right. What has God's providence put in your hand? Years of, of, of education, of being able to understand the languages of the books, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the fellowship, everything that we've been privy to. Mm-hmm. In missions, what we want to do is put what's in our hand, what's lacking in the hands of our brethren on the mission field, mm-hmm. and that's what you're doing with the school, is right. it's, it's teaching them to be men
1: of God. Amen. And there's really nothing more important we can do for them. Uh, they can reach their own cultures in, in many yeah. respects better than we can, but we can help them become the mm-hmm. men they need to be to reach those cultures.
0: Right. You, you know, Sam, I, um, I say this, and it's, it's angered a few people, but no one can deny that I care about missions. That's, right. all, that's all I've ever done. But if I started a seminary I probably wouldn't have a missions department. I would have an ecclesiology department, <laughs> and people say to me, "Well, if you do that, missions will get lost in ecclesiology." and I said, "Yeah, but ecclesiology's gotten lost in missions, oh, that's the truth but right. but all missions is again, is right. a biblical church planting biblical churches right.
1: So raising up men, training men, uh, recognizing those who God has yeah. called, right?
0: Oh, another thing, when mm-hmm. you talk about weakness, mm-hmm. realizing that part of the pastoral responsibilities is Second Timothy two two, and that does not have to do with the multiplication of disciples. That text has to do with the training of elder qualified men.
1: Yeah, faithful men who will be able to teach others right. also. Right, yeah, that's... Uh, that's not the Great Commission, exactly, is it? It's, it's maybe you could say it's a subset of the Great Commission, but it's not the Great Commission. It's not the same uh, responsibility as you have in Matthew 28. It's something more than that.
0: It, but it helps us understand what needs to be done. If, if we could just align the church with Scripture, mm-hmm. missions affix itself.:
1: <laughs> Amen. And it happens again and again and again. Yes. Where, when you, when you, uh, a biblical church matures, uh, they start planting churches. They start sending missionaries. It's what happens. Right. Right. Um, so, as someone who works with missionaries, if a pastor came to you with uh, seeking advice on how to train up missionaries in his own church, now we're going to the how-to. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice would you give to him?
0: Um, How do you train up a missionary distinct from from a pastor and a teacher? Uh, What are we called to do? Right. I mean, you know, uh, I've always said this. How do you plan a church? Mm -hmm. The same way you pastor one. You do the work of an evangelist and you preach the gospel. Now, there are some cultural things that we can teach and and things like that, how to deal with certain situations. Uh But it really comes back down to, look, I feel like, and I've seen this, where this there's this so-called mission knowledge that is extra-biblical. It's, it's esoteric and dark, and yeah. only these missionaries who are also cultural experts truly understand, and so they don't want some Bible-thumping preacher like you coming over mm-hmm. and messing up everything. That's pure liberalism. Right. All we need to do is train ministers of Christ, and a lot of the cultural sensitivity training... Mm-hmm. Well, some of it's necessary, but a large part of it can be cut out if you just—if the man has the character of an elder and is bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, right. joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, yeah. he'll be able to deal then with the differences in culture. Not because he's learned a technique, but because he's godly.
1: Sure, it's look, <laughs> he's going to look at the culture and he's like, yeah. "Can't do that." But you know, I could conform to that, and it might help people accept me, and you know,
0: exactly. But, you know, Americans are more hung up on this than the actual people where they're going.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting, but I'm sure it's true, isn't it? I mean, because, you know, yeah, the guys I work with, they they just want to be taught. And if if you do something American, uh, and sometimes American isn't bad, you know sometimes they need to use their time a little bit better in South America right. than they do, right?
0: Well, but it's like one Peruvian leader said one time to a group of us all together. He said, tomorrow we're going to meet at 10 o'clock. Not Peruvian time, not American time, Christian time.
1: <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs>
0: so, he, But here's the thing. You yeah. see, all cultures, and this is the great difference between the movement of Roman Catholicism and the movement... Yeah of Geneva and the Reformers. Yeah. In Roman Catholicism, we're going to take Christianity and we're going to conform it as to the culture so that mm-hmm. the culture is more ready to accept it. Yeah, The, the word ref- is
1: syncretism.
0: The, the Reformers did just the opposite. They said, no, our European culture is going to bow to Christ. All cultures need to bow to Christ in those specific commands that he has given.
1: Yeah, amen. You know, I, sometimes I think that a lot of, not all, but a lot of what passes for missiology and cultural sensitivity is actually in some ways just an outright denial of the regulative principle. It is. The church has to be ordered according to God's word. Outside the church, there's a lot of liberty about Mm -hmm. how we live and what we do, but the church has to be constructed, as you pointed out, on the plan God showed Moses in heaven. And I think a lot of times, that's completely forgotten. They don't even know no. that there is such a thing as a regulator principle. And you just don't have the flexibility with the church as you have with the rest of culture and life.
0: That's absolutely right. And I'm, I'm going to, there's just one of the most important passages in the whole Bible, I feel like, that is often overlooked is, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy, mm. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write, I write, so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. How do we know how to conduct ourselves? Yeah. Through what is written. Yeah. And I use this illustration. If, if a great and, and fearful king mm. who loves his bride more than anything, mm-hmm calls his steward to himself and he says, I have decreed this with regard to my bride. I'm going to go on a long journey. You are only to do what is written in this decree with my bride. And so he goes on a long journey. The steward for the most part is obedient until he begins to see that the kingdom is no longer interested in the king supposedly because the bride is quite old fashioned. Mm -hmm. So he takes off her simple but elegant white gown, replaces it with something Mm -hmm. extravagant paints her face like a tramp, does mm. up her hair, and parades her before carnal men, hoping that th- by doing that, he will attract <laughs> those men back to the king. When the king comes back, he'll kill that man. Yeah, But that's what many evangelical pastors have done in the last 30 years.
1: Great stuff. Amen. That's uh, that's a great illustration. Wow. Um, what would you say to those people who argue that we shouldn't Take the gospel to other nations because uh, that is colonizing. Well, you know,
0: all slander comes from the slanderer. Yeah. All lies come from the father mm-hmm. of lies. Any missionary who would just try to take his Western culture somewhere, because is is not mm-hmm. a biblical missionary, should not be sent. Right, but. You see, I happen to believe that Jesus is everything he said he was. I happen to believe that he's risen from the dead and that his session is complete, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. This is not about the West. Here's something I'd like to point out to you. I mean, I'm going to be kind of, it's going to be a hyperbole, but before the gospel came into the West, we were painting our faces blue and beating each other with clubs. It was the gospel. (laughs)
1: That changed all that.
0: This isn't Western culture. Whatever's good about the West is the result of the gospel. And now Western culture is totally removed from that and under the judgment of God. So I'm not taking a... Matter of fact, what I'm taking is the very opposite of Western culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. What it originally was. Yeah. The barbarianism that it was.
0: It's amazing too that they the same persons who say these types of things also accuse us, if in our system of of doing exegesis, if our system of hermeneutics is saying it wants to get back to the first century to understand the original intent, the same people accuse us of that. Yeah. So it's a contradiction all right. the way around.
1: Yeah. I love the illustration you gave last night about the, the two kids on the bank of the, uh, the, bank right. Of the Amazon. <laughs> right. <laughs> I sat there and laughed to myself. Yeah, I mean, these are the untainted, untouched natives and they're beating each other to a pulp.
0: You know, I I was going, it was near an area called Bajo Canampa down the Maranon, with the Aguaruna tribe years ago and I came across a leader and uh, his name was Edwin. We got to talk and he began to weep. And I said, Edwin, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. He said, we're just we're just animals in a zoo for the anthropologist and others. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, they want us to remain in these tribal settings and just subsistence living this way. Why is it that everyone else... Thinks progress is good for them, Mm -hmm. but they want to keep us as a zoo (laughs) to study. He goes, I don't want my child to live this way. I want my child to be educated. I want my child to learn to do things. I want my child to be able to enter into the world, and they want to keep us behind bars in this jungle so they can observe us. (laughs) But see, the gospel comes in, and it it, the gospel, the true gospel comes in, and it embraces what's beautiful. The, the, the Aguaruna tribe is very meditative. They're thinkers. Yeah. The gospel embraces that. Right. But the gospel also brings the truth that all men need to rise from the fall of Adam.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a denial of the fall, that, that ultimately, that colonizing accusation, isn't it? Uh, as if the men aren't fallen, if we just leave them alone. It's ridiculous. Well, if there's the last question here I have, if there's a church listening that's trying to find a way to be involved in biblical great commission work, mm-hmm. what would you advise them to do? How would you advise them?
0: Well, first of all, I would say that's that's absolutely wonderful, but investigate. Yeah. And start your investigation with doctrine. Mm. You see, there are so many denominations, large denominations who they're their so-called rally point of unity is the Great Commission. Right. The rally point of unity is not the Great Commission. It's biblical truth. Right. I mean, if we want to talk about, let's just rally with everyone who's about evangelism, we could rally with the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses. Sure. But that's yeah. not the point. It's a theological endeavor. It's taking very specific truth revealed by God to men, to the nations. That's where you start. Investigate right. the doctrine, and that's usually downplayed. Yeah. After that, investigate the methodology, because you can have really good doctrine as it's set forth in a book, but Mm. if you're not practicing it. Mm. So is their theology affecting their praxis? Right. And then the next question would be integrity.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, as we've tried to develop our own philosophy of this at uh, Grace Reformed Baptist Church where I'm a pastor, We've, we've kind of come to the point, the, the first thing you said was doctrine. We, we want missionaries then that agree with us confessionally. Right. We're trying to be, uh, we, we don't want to be, you know, what am I trying to say, rigid. We want to give guys room to grow mm-hmm. that are still coming mm-hmm. into what we believe. But if we're going to support a missionary, not a one-time gift, we've given lots of one-time mm-hmm. gifts to people, but if we're going to support a missionary regularly, they have to be duplicating what we think Christian doctrine is. And that means for us, basically, the 1689 Confession. Right, right. So
0: You know, Vodi sent me a film years ago, Vody Bauckham. Mm. It was about some, believe it or not, some samurai sword maker. <laughs> and, but it, the application, he said, Paul, the application is perfect. So I watched it, and this man works with one disciple uh-huh. for ten years. Uh And that man will not be released as a master sword maker Uh unless he matches that teacher perfectly or has risen above him. Because he said, if Uh that student of mine is one hair below me and his student is one hair below him, Uh he's now no longer making... A genuine samurai sword worth thousands and thousands of dollars he's making a trinket to be sold at a fair (laughs) you know our disciples are going to accentuate our weaknesses right that's happened throughout church history and so you know it, it goes back the thing about missionaries clears all up if we just take Paul serious in his letter to first Timothy about how frightful it is to ordain someone
1: yeah yeah, and because careful that, we need to be because about Because that, that fruit
0: is not only going to be laid in your lap. Whatever venom they've spewed, you're going to be responsible for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's the truth, and the older you get, the more you, you look at the people that God is raising up around you. And the, you have to ask questions like, uh, are they going to be better than I am, or are they going to devalue things that are really okay. important
0: to me? And, you, you know, no one needs to add to—we don't need a system— I mean, if someone says, you know, our local church is broken, well, the first place we're going to look, let's look at the elders and the deacons. Right. Do you have elders? Do you have deacons? Yeah. Are they, do they biblically qualify? Yeah. Are they carrying out the duties as laid before right. them in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. That's all we have to do.
1: That's right. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you, Paul. All right. I appreciate talking with you about right. this God bless. really important issue. And I want to say one more thing. We're looking forward to the conference next March. Oh yeah, and so am I. And and myself and a couple of other men where we're gonna be talking about biblical missions. Absolutely. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Weekly Discourse. If you've been blessed by this week's discourse, please consider subscribing to the Man of God Network so that you can continue to be blessed with resources like these. If you'd like to learn more about Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, visit us at cbtseminary.org.